Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Because of Sunday. It was Sunday that did it. It was the point where things were never the same. The cross was Friday. There was that day of sorrow, that day of darkness, that day of great pain, that day of great uncertainty. It seemed like all the promises that the Messiah had made just fell short. And then there was that long silence of Saturday where there was that questioning. What just happened? Is there hope? What about those promises? Was, was that wrong? Was, did Jesus lie? And then we have Sunday, the incredible wonder of Sunday, all because of Sunday. That's why we're here, all because of that first Sunday. It's why we worship on Sunday. It's all because of Sunday. And if you look through the Gospels, there are numerous accounts with different details about that first Sunday. But I want us to look at just one today for just a few moments, and that's found in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, starting in verse 13, Luke records that very day, that is, that resurrection day, that first Easter Sunday, that very day, two of them, that is, two of the disciples, now this, these were not Two of the 11 remaining disciples, Judas had committed suicide by this time, so there were 11 remaining disciples, but there were a number of disciples of Jesus. These were not of those 11 remaining ones who were the closest to him. But that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And he said to them, what is this conversation? Or I'm sorry, verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Can we just time out for a moment? I don't know how Luke specifically intended this to be read, but we can't help but read it without some at least minuscule tone of the comedic. Jesus himself, the resurrected Lord, shows up with two of his disciples. They are veiled from seeing him as he is, and he says, what are you talking about? And one of them says, are you the only one who doesn't know what's been going on? And he says, what things might that be? I mean, he's setting them up, of course. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. 
Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that is, he went all the way back to the Old Testament. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus gives them a sermon as they're walking. And he goes all the way back to the first five books of the Bible written by Moses And Jesus lays out, this is about the Messiah, this is about the Messiah, this is about the Messiah, this is about the Messiah. And he's laying it all out, explaining to them the scriptures, pointing to himself. He interpreted them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we are here all because of Sunday. We are here because there is an empty tomb. We are here because there is a risen savior. We are here because there is a returning king. And so, Father, we pray this morning as we look at your word, Lord God, we ask that you would have our hearts burn within us as well. As we look at your word, at what you tell us about the resurrection, as we look at the glory of the resurrection, as we look at the importance of of the resurrection as we look at how nothing is the same because Jesus is alive. And we ask that you would do that by your spirit and for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we talk about salvation often. That's the key point of what we talk about. But so often I think we focus upon the cross and, and we, we, don't, we don't think about the resurrection. Now, the cross is glorious, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and and the cross and the resurrection, they go together. If you just have the cross, if you just have a dead Messiah, and you don't have a risen Messiah, there's a problem. Because the resurrection ensures certain things, the resurrection points to certain things, the resurrection does certain things in our lives at salvation. And I want us to look at a few of those this morning. The first thing I want us to really grasp is that at salvation... The reality of the resurrection, the reality of that empty tomb, it erases your past sinful standing before God. The resurrection erases your past sinful standing before God. If you're a Christian, your past sinful standing before God has been dealt with. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans. Romans chapter 4 verse 25. Speaks of Jesus, who was delivered up for our our trespasses and raised for our justification. He was raised. 
that is brought from death to life for our justification. Now, what is justification? Well, it's a big word that just means this. You are declared not guilty by God. That's what it means. You have been justified by God. Declared not guilty. If you are a Christian, you have been declared not guilty by the judge of the universe. You have been declared not guilty of all your sins. I talked to a guy one time back when I was working up in Knoxville. And I said, you realize that Jesus died for all your sins. He died for all the sins you would ever commit. And he said, yeah, well, I can understand how he would die for my past sins. I don't understand how he could die for my future sins. I said, when Jesus died on the cross, all your sins were future sins. You weren't even here. All your sins were future sins before Jesus died, when Jesus died on the cross. But he was raised for our justification. He was raised to declare us not guilty before God. Listen to what Paul writes just a, a chapter earlier in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, declared not guilty, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned. They have failed to meet God's perfect standard. Every single one of us have. If you were here for our Good Friday service, we defined sin. Sin is any failure to meet God's perfect standard in action, in attitude, or in nature. Anything that I do, any attitude that I hold or thought that I have, any emotion that I experience, or anything that is in my nature that is contrary to the perfect standard of God is counted as sin. All have sinned and fall short. All have sinned. We've all done things. We've all thought things. But we all also continually fall short. That's the problem with our past sinful standing. If you are not a follower of Christ, you're still living in a sinful standing before God. But listen to what God does. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul writes, for our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, who knew to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus, perfect, perfect in every way. He's perfectly God. He's perfectly human. He's never committed a sin. He's completely and totally righteous. He's eternally pleasing to God the Father. And this Jesus, he died on a cross for our sins. As though he was guilty of every sin that's ever been committed. That's what happened. And for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin and listen to this phrase, so that in him that is in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. God took the penalty of our sinfulness and put it upon his son. And then through faith, if we follow him, he takes the perfectly pleasing, righteous standing of Jesus himself and applies it to us. What a grand cosmic exchange that takes place there we are counted as righteous before god himself god himself looks at each of us if we are in christ he looks at each of us and he sees the righteousness of jesus 
himself. Our past sinful standing is erased. It's dealt with. It's, it's done. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So what happens? Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and that is proof that the sacrifice of the cross was sufficient. That sacrifice on the cross, it didn't have to be repeated. That sacrifice on the cross, it didn't have to be added to. That sacrifice on the cross was not something that Jesus had to do again and again. No, the resurrection shows it's finished, it's complete, it's sufficient. It appeased the wrath of a holy God. That's why Jesus did not have to remain dead. Because the sacrifice was complete. And when the sacrifice is completely paid for, then Jesus is resurrected. And because Jesus is resurrected, that ensures that the sacrifice that he made, that has been applied to our lives, it stays. It sticks. It remains. Our sinful past standing before God in Christ has been dealt with forever. Forever. Whatever that thing is you wrestle with. Whatever that thing is that you feel such guilt over. Whatever that thing is that you have such regret over. If you are a follower of Christ, God has dealt with that. You may be dealing with consequences of it. But so far as the sinful standing before God, God has dealt with that in the person of Jesus, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All because of Sunday. All because of Sunday, things have changed. And because of that, listen to Romans chapter 5, where we find ourselves. Therefore, since we have been justified, we've been declared not guilty, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies of God. We are made right with God. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace. We have access to God the Father ourselves. We we don't have to have someone as a go-between. We can go right before God himself in this grace in which we stand. It's a foundational aspect of, there's a foundational aspect of this. There is a place that we stand. There is a place we operate from and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The hope, the confident and favorable expectation of that future reality and we rejoice in it. And all that has happened because of Sunday. All because of Sunday. Our sinful past standing, if you're a follower of Christ, Our sinful past standing has been erased. And the resurrection proves it's been dealt with. Every now and then I'll have friends come in from out of state and I'll take them on this little driving tour. We'll go around if we have time and see different places. And sometimes if I'm over in Natchez with them, I take them over to this place over in Natchez called the Forks of the Road. Some of you may have been there before. It's a place where one of the largest slave markets stood back in the day and if you go to the forks of the road monument and you happen to walk down a little sidewalk there at the end of the sidewalk there are some chains and some shackles some fetters that are embedded in concrete and every time i go over there and i look at those chains these places where people were bought and sold i think about 
me, I only, not only think about that reality, but I also think about it, and I just think about the, the reality of the sin that enslaves us. Do you know what? That's what this is like. That's what, when we think about the cross and the resurrection, that's what it's like. It's like the cross took those chains off of us. The cross broke us free of those sinful shackles. And it's like the resurrection said, I'm going to embed your former standing in concrete. You won't ever put that on again. It's not a part of who you are anymore. You are set free and who you were is now done for. It is over with. It is done. You're never going to wear that sinful standing before a holy God again because you're not a slave to sin anymore. That's what happens all because of Sunday. But God just doesn't deal with our past. Because of Sunday, because of this empty tomb, God deals with our present. Uh, this, This reality of the empty tomb empowers your present life for God. Because Jesus is alive, because the tomb is empty. Romans chapter 6 verse 8. Paul writes, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourselves. King James Version says, reckon. Make a mental calculation and think in this way. That's what the word means. You must think of yourself in the reality of who you are according to God's word. That you are dead to sin. You are alive to Christ. You are alive to God in Christ. And because of this reality, your life right now is empowered to follow Jesus. So many times I'll hear people tell me stuff like this. They'll say, oh, I would love to follow Jesus. I would love to do this. I would love to obey in this area, but I just can't. No. Well, actually, yes, you can't. Jesus can. The problem is we get too much of ourselves involved in it and not enough Jesus involved in it. And if we are surrendered and dead to self and alive to Christ, Jesus himself is the one who empowers us to do that. Jesus not say, well, now you're saved. Good luck. You're on your own. I hope you can manage this yourself. No, he empowers us. Our present life is empowered. We have a new life. We are a new creation. We are born again. Listen to first Peter one, three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, our present life can be empowered to follow him to live for him, to be surrendered to him. That's what the resurrection ensures. It's all because of Sunday. Because of Sunday, we can live for Christ. Don't let anyone tell you, no, you can't live for Christ. No, it's, it's impossible. To, oh, you can't. No, you can. 
Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do so. Some of you know I, I love reading and listening to Francis Chan, uh, the pastor. I remember one time hearing him say, he said, if someone came to you and said, I have a supernatural being inside of me that enables me to play basketball, you would think when that person hit the court, you would see them play in a way that was different from other people. In the same way, he went on to say, if we as followers of Christ have the Holy Spirit living within us, and God's word tells us that with the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we will live in a way that is different than the way we lived before. Then whenever we hit the courts of life, people should see a difference. We should know a difference. I think so often we're, we're trying to rely upon our own power instead of relying upon the power of Christ. We don't want to surrender to him. We don't want to give up the power. And we're trying to operate without that power. It doesn't work that way. You have to have the power of God in order to live a life for God. Because only God in you can live a life for God. Only God can do that. Uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 writes this. He's praying that the church at Ephesus would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that is in work in each follower of Christ today is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Can we think about this for a moment? That Jesus, beaten beyond recognition, bruised, battered, bloodied this jesus was taken and he was placed in a tomb after he died a very real death he didn't swoon he didn't faint he didn't pass out no he died these roman soldiers around that cross they were experts in death they knew when someone was dead they had seen it enough that they knew and he was buried imagine this he's buried his heart is not beating his brain activity has ceased his body was going through all of the stages that a body goes through whenever someone passes away and that's what's happening to jesus Moments pass, minutes pass, hours pass, days pass. And everything that's happening to bodies is happening to Jesus. And then the Spirit of God, all in a moment, uh, gives life. His heart begins to beat. His brain begins to function. All the wounds and the, the cuts and the all of these things on his body save the nail prints according to god's word all of these things they're 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 healed he's made whole again he begins to breathe he is alive and so he is raised from the dead and he has he has this this this, this glorious countenance 
This is what happens when Jesus is raised from dead. That's what happened in that tomb. That's what happened on that day. And all because of Sunday, this is what happens to us spiritually. We go from being spiritually dead people to spiritually alive by the work of God. We don't work it up. We don't cook it up. We don't, we don't try to dress it up. No, we are dead. And God brings us to life. And then he empowers that life. We are no longer left to try to fend for ourselves. We're no longer slaves of sin. We're slaves to righteousness. And we are empowered by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. That's Jesus. Therefore, all have lived and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That means this. Not only is my present life empowered for God, by Christ, by the empty tomb, but my present life belongs to him. I don't live for myself anymore. I live for him. Why? Because he's the one who gave me life. We live for him now because it's his life in us. He is living his life through us. And so therefore I don't live for myself. No, no, no. I live for him because the life that I have now is his life because he's the one that gave it to us. Are you living your life? If you're a follower of Christ, are you living your life for Christ in Christ? Or are you living it for yourself? Are you trying to live your life for yourself? Can I just tell you that's a divided loyalty? If you, if you have received new life from Christ and you were saying, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to live for myself. Jesus is in my life now. He's going to help me meet my goals. Jesus is in my life now. He's going to help all my plans to prosper. Jesus is in my life now. He's going to help me do all the things I want to do. Time out now. That's not what God's word says. Jesus is now in your life to accomplish his plan, his purpose, his goal, his mission for your life, because you are his. You don't belong to yourself. We don't get to go take our goals before Jesus and say, bless them now, Lord, because I have life in you. No, we go before God and we say, God, what would you have me to do? Before my life is surrendered to yours, to you, because my life is your life. I belong to you. I'm no longer, I no longer live for myself. I live for you. So our present life is empowered for God. But get a hold of this reality. Because of that empty tomb, it ensures your future resurrection by God. Your future resurrection by God is ensured because, because of that Sunday. All because of Sunday we will be resurrected. Now, biblically speaking, whenever we die in Christ, we're present with God. But we don't have that glorified body like Jesus does yet. But the day will come that we will because God will resurrect our bodies and we'll be reunited with our spirits and we will have a glorified body. It will be different. It will be made perfect. So for those loved ones of ours who have gone on before and they, they died while they were followers of Christ, they are there in the presence of God himself. And when the day comes 
that the resurrection occurs, those bodies will be raised from the dead and join with the Spirit. And, and so there's a resurrection that's coming for those who know Christ. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, that is spiritually speaking, raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, that is, we've died to sin, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See what the resurrection says? The resurrection says this is not it. The resurrection says this is not the end of the story. The resurrection says this is not the end of the line. The resurrection says there is more beyond this. The resurrection says that there is eternal life to be had. And if you're a follower of Christ, you're already living in eternal life right now. You're just going to change your address whenever you pass away. This is the reality that we face. Heaven is a real physical place. It was reported when, uh, in the space race, when one of the cosmonauts went into space from Russia, splashed back down in the capsule, and whenever they were interviewing him, he said, I looked around outside of the window, and I saw no God, and I saw no heaven, so it must not exist. That's what he concluded. I went up there, looked around, there was no God, there was no heaven. Figured if there was a God or a heaven, I would have seen him, so it must not exist. It's a spiritual reality, but it is a physical place. Jesus, he had a physical body when he was resurrected. He went to a physical place. We will be in a physical heaven. It is a real place, not some figment of our imagination. No, it is a real, spiritual, physical place. How does that work? I have no idea, but it's just a reality. It is a spiritual, physical place. Sometimes the most real things we can't even see. But that is what we look forward to. A real place. A real heaven. A real Lord. A real bodily resurrection. Philippians chapter 3 verse 21. God who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 1 Corinthians 6.14, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. I mean, look around. Life is hard. It seems like in the last few years, I mean, mean, can we just agree? I mean, it's been kind of rough. Last five five years or so, you know. And I don't, I don't know, people are like, well, are you talking about COVID? You know, everything, time has been strangely compressed and warped you know you look back over your calendar and you're like that was last two years three years when was that so so things have been so strange but can i tell you in the midst of all the uncertainty in the midst of all the doubt in the midst of all the fear in the midst of all the what ifs and will this and yeah buts and all the other things there is a confident reality and that is it's not always going to be this way and that is if we are in christ things will be set right for us it will be there will be a new physical reality things will be set right and part of the that being set right is our literal physical 
resurrection and being brought into that perfect union again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. You want the gospel in a nutshell? The reality of the happenings that surround the gospel? For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Christ died for our sins. He was our personal sacrifice. And if we follow Christ, if we know Christ as Savior, then all these things we talked about today, your sinful past standing, erased. Done done for. Your present life, empowered by the Holy Spirit to obey God, to trust Him, to follow Him. Your future resurrection, absolutely, positively ensured by the resurrection. How does that happen? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that we're sinners. We looked at this earlier. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We can't save ourselves. We can't fix it ourselves. And by the way, God's not going to overlook our sin. No one is going to escape the notice of a holy, all-knowing God. We all will stand before God, and we're going to stand before God in Christ, fully pleasing Him, or we're going to stand before God and we have to pay for our own sin forever, separated from Him in another very real physical place. Hell, separated from the presence of God for all eternity. So how does it happen? How how do we have this, this resurrected life applied to our life? When we're sinners and we're, we're out of standing with God, we're, we're, we don't have that, we have that sinful standing. How, how are we made right? We ask for forgiveness of our sins. We trust that Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross was sufficient to forgive us of our sins. We turn from that sin and we surrender to Jesus. That's how simple it is. We, we ask for forgiveness. We turn from our sin. We surrender our lives. We trust Christ. And the Bible says, you'll be saved. Now, that's more than lip service. And that's more than just mentally going through the motions. No, it is a change of heart, a change of direction, a change of life. And the Holy Spirit then empowers us to live that life out for Christ. Gives us new life in Christ. We become new creations in Christ. All because of Sunday. The story is told of a little boy. A little boy who was a special needs child. He was born with with several disorders that the doctors had said, most assuredly, it will cut his life short. That's what they told his parents. But his parents brought this little child to to church often, and the the little boy was involved in the Sunday school at the church where they attended. And leading up to Easter, the Sunday school teacher took all the little children in the class and she gave each one of them a little plastic egg. And she said, we're going to go outside and I I want you to come back in and I want you to put something in that egg that represents life. 
So let's go out and find some things and come back in and we're going we're gonna to share the things that we put in our eggs that, that point toward life. And so all the kids went out and they wandered around. And this one little boy, the teacher said she saw him out far away from all the other kids and he was just looking back on all the kids holding the egg in his hand. And after some time, they, she gathered them all back up and they went back into the room and one at a time, she was going around the room and she was asking for the egg and she would open it up. And one little kid, she opened the egg and inside the egg, there was a little seed that the child had found. And the kid said, I found a seed. It represents life. It'll grow. If you put it in the ground, you water it, it'll grow. It's life. And the next child handed her the egg and he, she popped it open and she looked and, and inside was like a little tiny feather a little downy feather from a bird and the kid said i found this little feather it's like life it's like the little birds that god looks over and he watches over all of them and she gets to the next kid and the next kid holds up the egg and she pops it open and there's a little flower bud that he that she had pinched off and had put it inside the egg and she said it's spring and there's this little flower i saw it blooming and it's life and finally they got to that little boy And she took his little egg and she opened it up and it was empty. And they all looked at him. You know, you didn't understand the assignment. Why would you give her an empty egg? Did you understand what you were supposed to do? And his kids can be that way. They they started making fun of him. And he calmed them all down and said, but, 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 but. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And that's life true story the story goes that it wasn't very long after that that little boy because of all of those disorders he was born with he was placed in the hospital and he passed away and at his funeral all of those kids in that class put empty eggs down around the altar in that church because of that empty tomb we know there will be a resurrection for those who are in Christ. This is not it. This isn't the end of it. All because of Sunday. If you don't know Christ today, you can know him all because of Sunday. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, you can know him. You can ask for forgiveness You can turn from sin and self and turn toward him alone, surrender your life, and he will save you. In a few moments, we're we're going to have a time of decision. If you've never made that decision, can I just tell you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come forward, take one of us by the hand, talk to us, tell tell one of us who was down down here, down front. Just tell us, I, I want to know Christ. I need to make that decision. I want to follow Christ. If you are already a follower of Christ, can I tell you, don't let the lies of Satan keep you captive to a sinful standing of your past that is now firmly encased in the concrete of the perfect standing of Christ and that is done away with and you no longer have to put that on. Don't allow Satan and self to keep lying to you, telling you that you are what you once were because you're not. Don't let sin and self tell you that you are incapable of living an empowered, surrendered life for Christ. Don't let, it, don't let it tell you you can't do that. You can. You can. You can live that empowered life for Christ because Christ is in you. 
Don't let sin and self tell you you can't. Don't let the world tell you this is all there is and that there's no hope because there is hope. There's a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection coming when all will be set right. All because of Sunday. Lord God, we come before you. We give you thanks for the reality of Sunday. We give you thanks for an empty tomb. We give you thanks for a risen Savior. We give you thanks for the reality of a returning King who is going to set all things right. And Father, I pray that today, if there's anybody here, if there's anybody watching or listening, either now or later, that by your word, by by the reality of your truth, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that you would bring people to salvation today. They would turn from sin, self. They would ask for forgiveness of sin. They would surrender to Christ alone and be saved. And that you would embolden them in that. Father, I pray for followers of Christ here. Pray for those that are worn down, beat down, dragging around the regrets of the past. Father, I pray that you would help them to see the reality of who they are in Christ. That they have been given Christ's righteousness. Father, I pray for these that are just so wearied and so burdened. And they feel like they've just been spinning their wheels. And they feel like they've just been not accomplishing anything of eternal worth for your kingdom. Father, I pray that you just might empower them by your spirit and let them see that their lives are empowered because of that empty tomb. And Father, I pray for anybody who may be despairing, anybody who may try to peer forward into the future, looking ahead on the calendar and might shake their head and say, I don't know. I just don't know if there's any hope. Father, I pray that you would, by your word, show them the reality of the hope that is found in Jesus and in that future restoration and resurrection that we will experience if we are followers of Christ. All because of Sunday. And so, Father, we lift our praises to you now in this time. We lift the decisions to you now in this time. And we pray that above all, you'll be glorified. And that we will live our lives in a different way. All because of Sunday. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.